fact that you have like five ups and five downs a day. That's actually true. Yeah, it's actually five true. and five, give or take. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you deal with that? You sleep, you not drink. Drink, and I'm not taking it, my, again, everyone and myself too seriously. We're not doctors. It's important to understand that nobody's going to die tomorrow morning. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, a podcast that brings you insights and tactics from the greatest SaaS minds across the world. The show is brought to you by SaaStock, the conference to turn your SaaS up to 11, returning to Dublin in October 15th to the 17th, 2018. On this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, I take you to the SaaStock on tour New York stage. What was one of the most entertaining and well-received panels on the day? Ben Hyman, CEO of Splash, talks with Tom Tagrin, CEO of Yopo, and Alexis Lecoq, CTO of Datastock about some of the fundamental challenges they've faced in the course of growing their companies and how they address them. Ben is no wallflower, and neither are his panelists. All three come from highly successful companies with many funding rounds, staff, hustle, and lessons learned behind their backs. In their highly engaging chat, the three openly share the things they still haven't quite figured out and a plethora of things they have. They debunk the myth that the team is the most important thing for a company and instead focus on something far more important. What sticks out is Ben, Alexis and Toma's humility, honesty and ability to not take themselves too seriously, despite all the success and the high stakes. As all three agree, that is the key to staying sane on the journey. Listen on to hear what is the right setup for scaling a company. Market is, as it were, is what sets us to scale. At least it sets the conditions so that we could grow and scale. Uh, I think where culture comes in is once you have that, once you see, once you see traction, probably makes a difference between great execution and blowing up midway. One of the best investors from scale, Rory Driscoll, he said like, you know that everybody's saying that the most important thing is a team? Yep. That's actually not correct. The most important thing is the market. What is the main job of a leader of scaling a company? I don't think you wake up necessarily one morning and say, okay, I'll just stop doing XYZ and start doing XYZ. Uh, I think there's triggers that could be external, it could be internal, it could be an employee leaving, uh, a new competitor, something that's going to force you to, to sort of stand to attention. It's like, okay, now, what am I doing wrong? I think almost in a way, as leaders, it's our job to hear those triggers, really, like, know that it's a trigger and respond to it uh, appropriately. How to fundraise and stay frugal at the same time? I would say two things are important to raise, like, five, eight million dollars, and revenue is not one of them. I think storytelling is the number one quality that every entrepreneur needs to have. Revenue is like, is a great plus, but I don't think it's that important if you tell like a hell of a story that you get people excited, people that can actually connect from an emotional standpoint, especially with like smaller VCs and angels, they are very much emotional. So they need to connect like on an emotional level and want to be part of like what you're building. You need to burn as much money as we burn to understand that uh, it's frightening to burn so much money. Yeah. So that's something that keeps me up at night. One of the benefits to being based in New York rather than Silicon Valley is the fact that founders don't have to spend crazy money on having the most impressive conference rooms and perks in the neighborhood to attract talent. The sentiment valid for many other places in the world where founders and executives built their companies without unnecessary bells and whistles. We'll gather 3,000 of them from over 50 countries in Dublin in October for SASTOC 18. If you want to come, you can grab your ticket now by going to sastock.com. Now on with the show. Hey everybody, I'm Ben. I am the CEO of Splash. You guys know Splash, Splash That? Raise your hand. ARCP to a Splash That event? Yeah, that's me. I know everything about you, I promise. Um, 
This is going to be fun. I want to understand who's in the crowd before we dive into it. And then Alexis is going to join us in a sec. He's a CTO of Datadog, which means he's going to be incredibly wealthy one day and knows more about us than he should. All right. So I'm just going to talk to only the people here. Raise your hand if you're a CEO currently. Ooh. All right. Raise your hand. I want to know who the other people are. Raise your hand if you're a VC. Any VCs out there? Oh, come on. We're looking for money. No? They're like, you didn't raise your hand. I know you're a CEO. Thank you. Raise your hand and like, uh, you're ahead of BD. Any, any BD people? All right, we got a BD person. Partnerships, any partnerships people? All right, so mostly CEOs. So we're going to talk. Oh, we got a partnerships. Hey, how are you? Can do biz. All right, so mostly CEOs. Raise your hand if you're under 10 million. Under 10 million ARR? All right, all of us. All right, that's what we're talking about. Raise your hand if you haven't raised uh, any money yet and that's something that you're thinking about. All right, so we'll kind of talk about money raising. Is that interesting? We're deciding what's interesting. We have a lot we can talk about. This guy's very smart. I'm a brilliant man. Um, are we talking about team building? Anyone looking to build a team right now? Is that interesting? Eh, sounds like you need the money first, then we're going to build the team. And then is anyone very nervous about what is going to happen in the next couple of years to their business if they don't listen very hard now? Anybody? Okay, cool. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about how to put together a lot of money and then how to build a team and then really stupid things that we both did. He's Israeli, so he's going to be very clear-cut. He's going to be to the point, does not mince words. Okay, and to that effect, let's get going. So we're considered in the elite SaaS game. I've kind of gotten to this level where I can get other investors to pay attention to me and hopefully go raise a C round. Just so you know kind of where I'm at, i got 100 people that work for me, and we have about 400 clients. And we call ourselves a mid-market and enterprise solution. So I sell an ACV of around... 30K, ACV average contract value around 30K, and a uh, enterprise ACV in like the hundreds. Cool? That's my business. All right, now you go. Yeah. How so, big are you? Uh, I'm shorter than you. So you're, now you're a big dude. Now, how big are you in the yeah, business? So, We're here to hear about yeah, no. So, Please. just for uh, raise a little bit more than $100 million, 101. Uh, we're going to finish this year hopefully close to the $40 million they are. Oh. Um, what else did you show? ACV. So we sell to SMBs. We started selling many to SMBs, meaning ACV was around 10K, now it's 13K. And we opened a year and a half ago what we call like the mid-market team. They are selling 35, 40K deals. And I would sell still the business is like 70% SMBs, 30% mid-market. We also have some enterprises in the 150K ACV, but just a handful. We sell to like commerce brands. And so we are like a marketing software uh, into every, like, I don't know, the cool brands of the world, the Glossier, the Antakya, the Patagonias of the world. Um, and that's pretty much it. How many people work for you? Uh, we have all, a little bit more, actually, now than, than 300 people across uh, three offices. Here in New York, we're in the city, we have 100-ish. Uh, in Tel Aviv, in Israel, we have 180, uh, 185 now. And we have a small sales office in London. Wow. Okay, so let's talk a bit about, since it sounds like a lot of people are in fundraise mode, quick question, did you have any revenue when you went out to raise? Again, we've heard he's raised $100 million. Yeah. What, was your, what was your first round that you raised? Yeah, so we raised 100K from uh, Angels, and that was our seed. Then we did another like $2 million, 2.3 actually. Then we did another uh, eight, eight, yes. Yep. And then we did another 10.3. And then we started doing revenues. So we raised around like $20 million before uh, the first like revenue dollar. 
And what did you? What was your pitch? How did you do that? Yeah. So uh, what we did is actually it was a bit uh, irresponsible from the investor side. You think? But uh, it was mainly because we were able to acquire a lot of like free. They were not paying us, but a lot of like commerce brands for free using a lot of our integrations. So we showed like really exponential graphs of like usage, content that we're generating, dollars that we're making our customers. So it was really easy to make the extrapolation of how can we make money. So that was one thing. The second thing, I don't think, like, it's not, like, I don't know, 2018. So it, today it was much, much harder to do so, I think. It does feel like that's changed. Yeah, Fair? for sure. Like, for what sure. year did you do that? Uh, so we started in uh, 2011. Uh, and I want to say we raised $20 million up to, like, 2014, I want to say. So right. So right before that weird correction, yeah. you, kinda, you were the guy. My Got fault. It. Yeah, my All fault. All right, now we know why we can't raise money on a story anymore. It's this guy. Exactly. It's the Israelis. Um, okay. And you raised money. I raised, so I raised, I had, okay, my story. I raised a series, a, I raised a seed. Um, one point, I, I did 1.5 million, and then I did an A round. I did 6 million, I, then I raised 7, and then I raised 8. So, and that, we call that the B1, which is a fancy way of saying not a C because we couldn't get there. Uh, and, yeah, I had revenue, but it was the wrong revenue. I mean, look, I, the question I want to ask you, and, and I can tell you my answer, when you were telling those initial stories, when you were early days, did you screw up anything that was so darn obvious that as you look back, you, you would have changed your story? Yeah, or yeah like, of course. So, so talk to us. What, yeah. I mean, as people are going out to fundraise, to me, there's some really clear moves that I know I would have done differently. What would you have done yeah, differently? Yeah, so I would say two things are important to raise. I would say up to like five, eight million dollars and revenue is not one of them. I would actually, I think storytelling is the number one quality that every entrepreneur needs to have. And second is like really good introductions to investors. So it's really, really important to understand how do you get in front of those people uh, and not just from, I don't know, for me at least, conferences didn't work, cold emailing didn't work, Nothing worked besides like introductions. So I think that's really, really important from entrepreneurs, from, uh, I don't know, friends of investors. So the, the intro is really, really important. And you need to like really, really nail your story. Like we did miserably at the beginning. And I want to say, because A, we went to people that would never invest in tech. Yeah. Uh, so we went to everyone that, anyone that had money, basically. That's what our uh, strategy, that's very, very off. Uh, and I think it just like getting refinement on your story. Because I'm generally, I'm a big believer that the, the first $5 million, revenue is like, is a great plus, but I don't think it's that important if you tell like a hell of a story, that you get people excited, people that can actually connect from an emotional standpoint, especially with like smaller VCs and angels, they are very like, like it's, it's like dating, it's like they are very much emotional, so they need to connect like on an emotional level and want to be part of like what you're building. So I would say if you're not able to raise money and people tell you, hey, like, where's your revenue? I would say that you're not telling good of enough story. You know, it's funny you say that. So I, I totally agree. Uh, firstly, with your, the introductions thing, I can actually tell you unequivocally, um, I have pitched every VC in New York City, Likewise. and I have only gotten people who have been introduced from my existing investors to give me money. Yeah. So anybody, I, I don't know, I've just literally never converted an outbound lead, if you will, to uh, actually invest in me. So I agree with you there. With the story piece, can I tell you, a, a big unlocker for me was when my story was financially oriented. And I don't know if that, yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting in my world. Is that Alexis? No? He's near? Okay, it's not Alexis. Anyway, when I was pitching money, 
When I was literally saying, um, the unit economics look like this, and when I get somebody in, I can acquire them for this, they turn into new money, and then money, money, money. And I stopped talking about the product because I learned that they didn't really care about that. They cared about kind of... Yeah, man, even early stage. I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe Israelis, I'm in a different maybe, world. Yeah. Another advantage, like, I think raising money in Israel, at least in the beginning back then, was easier. So uh, I think that might respect. But even, like, even today, I would say that every, like, uh, and by the way, the team is really, really important. One of the key things that we did is early on, we brought, like, we built a really good advisory board. So we have, like, till today, he's with us on the board, like, the former CEO of GoDaddy. It took me like six months to bring him on board. Like every week I would go on a phone call with him. He would say no. And I would say, let's talk next week. And the fact that we were able to assemble like a strong, like really high quality people alongside, I think, with a really good story, that's what makes, made it tick. But uh, I actually found that they don't care about unit economic, at least in the beginning. I'm telling you, man. I don't know. I think you raised in a different era. Maybe. Nowadays, yeah. I just feel like if I don't talk about it, they don't want to talk no, to me. No, now, of course. By the way, when we raised our growth round and even the round before that, like it's very, very numbers driven. Like the, like only numbers driven. Uh, no, I think it's also like a market at the beginning. Like how big is your market? How big this can be? Fair enough. But that's numbers. That's money. Yeah. But uh, no, but like for us, for example, like commerce is like really, really growing and uh, uh, I don't know, Shopify is like an $18 billion company. It's insane. When we started and we said, you know what, we think Shopify might be a $1 billion company, most investors thought like, you're crazy. They will never be like a $1 billion company because yep. commerce is not big enough. And we, we needed to have like a strong conviction that commerce is going to be like a big of enough market for us to go after. So I think also like talking about maybe like greater forces. I'm telling you, that's, a, I mean, look, especially as I was in the early days, I think that's a really important point. So events, right? So just so you know, $500 billion <clears throat> annually are spent on events. It's huge. And yet I did, like what you're saying, I went up against the issue of this market's really not big enough, right? Which it sounds like you yeah, went after too. Yeah, because I, I, I think, I don't know like how you did the analysis, but what is those 500 billion? Like, Fair enough. Is it like, you know, how much people are spending on tickets and how your ticketing system? Like, I think that's... Uh, we don't need to do that here. Yeah. But exactly, I don't know. I guess what I've learned, and tell me if this rings true to you, I've learned that you want to really talk about how big the industry is and almost like anchor on how big that is because if they don't think yeah. you can get to it, if they don't think the, t the TAM, the total addressable, is big enough, they just won't even care. Like, yeah. It's just a non-starter. Yeah, so I'll I tell you know. like a yep. story that, a few things. So one, I also think on that front, like a competitive environment is also important. So I'll share another story. It was a little bit later on, but uh, usually when we want to raise money, let's say we want to raise a million dollars. So I always say, okay, let's raise half a million dollars. Yeah. And then like bump it up and make sure that it's oversubscribed. So in each Yotpo round since we found it, each one of our current investors is fighting to put money. Uh, even though it's just like optical, because I know I can raise like, let's say 12, so I'll start with eight. And then the right dynamic is starting to be, okay, I'm fine to put more dollars in my prorata, but sorry, you can't put your prorata, da 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 da. So that dynamic is really, really important to create a competitive environment. And on that front, just like a story, I had an investor that put literally like $10 million in the company just on a presentation that I started. Usually I start my presentation talking about like the Yotpo values and the Yotpo culture. I stopped at the Yotpo uh, culture. He already knew that we oversubscribed, yep. and he said, okay, I want in $10 million in like 20 minutes. It is weird. And it's, it, it's like a very saying, dynamic type of like a process. The saying is VC is 99% no, 1% beg, right? That's the, and so you really want to get the beg. Uh, yeah. 
I take your point. By the way, that's champagne problems right there when you're fighting off VCs. Uh, we're, you're going to get there, I promise. And it's just going to take no, a very... No, just again, it's optical. You need to understand like... So what do you do? You're saying you actually ask for less money and then yeah, oversubscribe so it? what I do is usually like, let's say a year before I, I start like talking to like my future customers, right? The investors. Yep. Understanding A, what they need to see in order for me to raise money and B, like, okay, how much they want to put if I'm going to reach that and that and that. And what I learned is that... Okay, let's say I, I think in good certainty I can bring like $5 million. Then I, I'm saying like, okay, we're doing a round of three. I have a commitment of $1 million from my current investors. So there's two from the outside. And I know I can actually bring like additional four, yep. right? And that starts a very, very competitive environment because everyone is talking to one another, by the way. So that's something I also learned. You cannot say like, I'm talking just to that person, just to that person, because uh, they are talking to one another. And the moment that you get like uh, one of our advisory or someone you know can pick up the phone to a VC and tell, hey, how was the meeting with Ben? Was it good? Yes, I, I think you need to move fast here because if not, uh, someone else might take it. That's what you need. Like, you need an outside person, not yourself creating a sense of urgency. You need someone else to create it. With a competitive environment, with a good story, I think that's like, that's it for the first $5 million for sure. Smart, good stuff. All right, let's transition a bit. By the way, he's going to send you his, his Series A pitch deck right after this, so just email him. I think him. we have it on our blog, by the way, if you Do want you, to. I'd like to see that. Um, I want to transition a bit to what you're spending your time on. So you have 300 people working for you. Uh, you know, I, there's this great old adage that I've been, I've been subscribing to, which is like, only do the things that only you can do. Have you ever heard that? It's kind of awesome, right? It's like, literally, we should only be doing what only you can do, right? Only you as a CEO can probably, I don't know, hire, as you said, a CTO. So probably you should be doing that. Not yeah, bad? So that's, it's an interesting angle. I never thought about it. That All right. Time. Well, you know, let's assume that you know, you're doing your best to, to actually yes. optimize and prioritize. In the early days, what was something that you're do, you were doing then that you're not doing now? And I, I would like to hear a bit more about what yeah, you're, where so you're spending your time. In the early days, I used to code as well. I'm not coding anymore. And so that was like one of the first thing I did. And I also used to buy, like to buy milk and to buy like dinner for everyone. I stopped doing that as well. So I was the office manager for everyone. I hear time. that, man. I got to tell you, all CEOs out there, buy your team food always. I can't, Vivek, did you do that? Vivek was CEO. You're going to hear from him next. He didn't buy his team food and they've been growing so slowly. No, I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. But no, but seriously, I, I'm telling you, I get coffee for my team. I mean, it's a huge deal. Yeah, Find yeah. ways to contribute if you're not coding. Anyway, exactly. please continue. What else were you doing uh, early? And I think, what else? I'm not, so hiring is the same thing, but hiring different types of people, I want to say. And Are you still watching all the resumes come through the door? No, but I approve it. So you approve I, every hire? Yeah. Every hire. Every it's, hire. You, every, nobody gets through the door without no, you I'm saying No, I'm not yes. meeting them, but I'm seeing their uh, CVs. I'm seeing like how much budget we put for that position, what was the offer, and signing like yes or no. I'm telling you, so I've started at this point. I, I did, I basically was just approving, yes, no. I found that I couldn't quality control. I found I was able to take down cost of new hires by around like 15% just doing that. What were you doing, negotiating with them? No, telling them no, it's too high. Come on. Yeah, that's that's called negotiating that. in America. That's not called negotiating yeah, but you're in like Israel. negotiating, no, internally. I told internally. Like the, the hiring manager, no, that's too high. If you want to bring him, you need to bring him all here in like... A lower cost, and it, it actually works. How do you do that? How do you stay frugal as you build a business that's venture-backed and there's as much money as you need? Like, what do you a, do? you need to burn as much money as we burn to understand that uh, it's frightening to burn so much money. 
Yeah. That's something that keeps me up at night. You start to understand like the small things are really, really important. And also, I want to say like six months ago, we, we understood that we, like in some time in the next two to three years, we need to reinvent ourselves and to expand because like our core offering, our core product market fit won't be big enough. It will bring us to the $60 million ARR for sure. And for sure, it won't bring us to the 200. So I started doing a lot of work of like, how we expand in minimum cost. So how do you actually improve unit economics on one hand, but on the other hand, able to, I don't know, I don't know if grow faster or on one year grow, grow slower. So you start thinking about like what's called strategy, because I believe like startups are like 99% execution, 1% strategy. And I started focus like, and I hope we got it right now. And we'll need to see in the next uh, two years if we're able to like execute on that. But like strategy is something also I did very, very different. And once you burn so much money, uh, and I don't know if everyone here, like a company that uh, we need to appreciate, but like if you saw Domo's S1, I think that's an example of like an extreme. Uh, and I think that's like really, really, was really, really interesting to read to see like how far can you actually take it. In but, like that's, but that's my question in a way is like, what would you do if you were to start over? By the way, I, I just want to make sure we all got that, that nugget. He's spending his time on strategy. And I know that seems like, oh, strategy, spend time on that. Like, that's not valuable time. But I think what you're saying, if I'm hearing no, you right, the company. you're saving the company by spending for time us, on strategy. At this point of time in 2018, I think that's like the most yes. important thing. Oh, Alexis, wait till you get in this conversation. We're going to have some fun. Get a microphone. All right. Oh, you got one. Hey, what's up, man? How are you? We were, we were talking about two things that I want your immediate lightning round answer to, because we're getting some good answers. Number one, um, how do you instill your company with a sense of frugality is a question yes. that you know. And number two is, what are you spending your time on in the kind of, uh, yeah, in terms of kind of prioritizing your time and making sure you're only doing the things that only you can do. So start off with the frugality. Yeah, frugality. So um, <clears throat> first of all, apologies for, for running behind. We're in the middle of Brooklyn. It's okay, man. Um, so I think, and in a sense, this is maybe going to sound, uh, sound a little bit corny, but I think actually being in New York is a good, is a good uh, driver for being relatively frugal um, because uh, there's no, I don't think there's a com particular competition to, you know, have the coolest, I don't know, conference room. I mean, for a while there were companies out west where they, they outdid it themselves in terms of office space, uh, and that's an easy way to piss money away. Yes, in a way. Um, yeah. So, so I think there's, it's still you want to find a balance and kind of look back on what, where are we spending money? Uh, are we spending money on things that matter? So for us, for instance, we said we want to have a nice, nice office space, not crazy. We don't need to be in the media with a crazy office space, but it's going to be bright. It's going to be, you know, sort of nice chairs. You know, the, the, and so I think as a, as a company, you make these calls or uh, we want to have, you know, compensation is important. There's certain things that you value and things that you value less. For instance, uh, crazy perks and stuff like that. You're like, yeah, you know, can that we is, do... I just got to, I want to pause in a moment. That's such a good point. So you're a CTO, yeah? Yes. I underspent on a lot of technologists and it killed me in the early days. And so to your point, I, I think what, what I'm pulling out of what you're saying here is that pick the things you're going to spend on and be deliberate about it. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, and, and office space is not one. It's tough, man. I mean, did you guys, have you overspent in your time? Do you look back and say we spent wisely or do you think you overspent? I think... Probably this, we underspent um, 
I think in the early days, because you feel like you have to do everything, right? You're, you're getting started. Um, I remember I was doing like payroll and healthcare and all the, all the stuff that you have to do just so that, you know, the company can keep operating. And um, there comes a point where you realize, look, it's silly for me to do that. I got to spend my time uh, in a better way. And that's probably where one of the mistakes I made is to wait for too long. You know, it's not that I was doing payroll forever, but, but we're an office manager. We're like, oh, well, I can always order food for, you know, for, for employees, for snacks. That's fine. It'll just take me half an hour. And I can do this too. I, I can do it. And it's true. Like, I can do it. But am I the best person to do it? No. So how, uh, the, I think the, the opposite question on, on being frugal in, um, or, or the, the, the complementary question to being frugal in terms of money is being frugal in terms of time. Nicely said. And, uh, and that's hard because there's, there's never a time where you feel, okay, now we're ready to start hiring that extra person who's going to do something that I was doing you know, 20% of the time. Because you'll feel like, well, it's only 20% of my time. Is it going to justify an extra, an extra headcount, a full-time you know, employment? I mean, tell me if this rings true to you, but I found that there's almost moments where I have to just mentally shift who I am to the business and the kinds of things that I do on a daily basis. Do you agree with that? I, I agree. And it almost happens like in a week. It's like, you know, on Monday it's one thing and on a Friday it's a totally different thing and I really need to refocus. Would yeah, you? yeah. I think that there are sort of pivotal moments in the company where you have to, yeah, you have to reflect back and say, this, this has got to stop. And usually there's going to be a trigger. Yeah. I, think, I don't think you wake up necessarily one morning and say, okay, I'll just stop doing X, Y, Z and start doing X, Y, Z. Uh, I think there's this triggers that it could be external, it could be internal, it could be, I don't know, an employee leaving, uh, sure. a new competitor, something that's going to force you to, to sort of stand to attention. It's like, okay, now, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to fix? And I think, and I just want to call that out. That's such an important point. I think almost in a way, as leaders, it's our job to hear those triggers, really, like, know that it's a trigger and respond to it appropriately. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, that's your... That's a particularly difficult thing to do because you have to you have to be really in invested in the every single second of the business. At the same time, you have to be able to step back and sort of reflect on what you're doing. Sure. And that's that's a tension that I find hard to maintain. Tomer was talking about strategy. I think that that finds its way into strategy. Listening. Yeah. I want to. So I got to ask you this. So Datadog is like a, a personal hero company of mine because it's like two bad. It's two of you guys, right? Started it. Yes. It's two badass, like, French guys that came to New York and just, like, built, like, a monster business. I mean, we, we, we all shared numbers. You don't have to share, you know, you can be as, as uh, cryptic as you want to be. How many people work for you right now? 700. 700 humans. You're nuts. Uh, can, you, can you get close to general ARR? I mean, you can kind of, you can tell us, like, ballpark us. Uh... <laughs> Okay, you don't have no, to. No, you're fine. You're what fine. I could say is, Enough to yeah. support 700 yes. people and still be good at it, and, okay? And, and hopefully 1,400 next year. So and so, look, you know, a thing that I remember when you guys were starting, and I've been watching it, and I've been terrified of your CEO because he's clearly a you know, maniacal genius. But my question is this, and I mean that with total love. What did you do in the early days to infuse your business? And, like, what is the culture thing or things that actually set you up for the scale? You know, what would you do? That's a, that's it's a big, big question. question. You can pick a couple. I yeah, know yeah. you got no, no. some that are like yeah, yeah. hardcore yeah. infused in your organization. So I'll say, so for one thing, I think the culture is not 
necessarily what set us up to scale. The, the, if we go back to basic, the, the market is, is, as it were, is what set us, sets us to scale. I think at least it sets, set the conditions so that we could grow and scale. Uh, I think where culture comes in is once you have that, once you see, once you see traction, it, it probably makes a difference between uh, great execution and blowing up midway. Once you see traction, it makes yeah. a difference. Can you unpack that for us? So I'll just give a quote from, uh, so there's a very good name, uh, like one of the best investors from scale, Rory Driscoll. Yep. And I was uh, like meeting him on something and he said like, you know that everybody's saying that the most important thing is a team. Yep. That's actually not correct. The most important thing is the market. And it's like, what, how big can it be? And he said like, even like a phenomenal team in a shitty market, it's still a shitty company. Mm. Uh, so I think like focusing on the market and then exactly that, like will you do good or will you do like exceptional? I think that depends on the team. Mm. Yeah. Is that, what, is that, do you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. But come on. You guys, I mean, you've been growing at a crazy clip. I mean, uh, l- l- let me tell you what I'm dealing with. Right now, I got implementation issues. I got support issues. I got product scale issues. And look, I, I can look back 10 years, or, you know, five years now, and know where I messed that up. And I'm wondering, you know, as you look no, at the you altitude that, that you're at. The, the, the roots for that is the product. Like, apparently, you're, like, in a shittier market. Sure. Like, the product is, like, very, very different. The barrier of entry are very, very different to compete with you. Switching costs are very, very different. So... Like, it's got to start, like, it, like, that's the most important We can't thing. all choose our market. You know, we got to change the universe a little bit. Fair? I think you, sh- you should. I think early on, that's where... Oh, fair. That, all right. You know, that's, 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 you, that's wise. You reiterate until, until you find, I think, an idea that you like enough, but more importantly, a market that you feel is going to carry you. Uh, I, that's been a my experience. Well, then do me this favor. Describe your market to us. How do you describe your market? So... Our market is essentially any customer of AWS, Microsoft Azure, Google. So that's pretty much any enterprise you know, out there. Sometimes even SMB startups and so on, but more importantly, I think in terms of dollars enterprise. So Who are you selling into? We're selling into technology departments of those companies. So now you could say, well, every company is turning into a software company. You could agree or disagree, but when fundamentally more and more companies are conducting business online. They're realizing for, for good or bad reasons that running their internal IT sucks and that they should go to the cloud. They go to AWS, Microsoft, Google. They say, okay, now I, wa- I want to buy cloud. And they'll look at their budget from, from pre-cloud. They say, oh, there's a monitoring budget, you know, um, budget line. So then they turn around and say, well, what do I do for monitoring in the cloud? And that, that's us, basically. And so that's the, it, it's a very broad, very horizontal market yep. that shows no sign of deceleration. And that's the wave we're riding. So then, then back to your question, how do we not screw that up? And this is where culture, I think, comes in. Uh, this is... You decide we're engineering sort of heavy company, engineering focus. So we tend to we build it first and then we sell it later. You can operate differently where you tend to want to anticipate demand. So you sell something you may not necessarily have yet. So you build it on the back end of building it up demand. So I think these are fundamental elements of DNA of the company that that are actually not not something you decide, it's something you are. It's, it's who you are as a founder or as a group, of, as a founding team, I think, sets that up. Then, then for us is, um, I think, it, it, 
fair attention to details and really liking things that are well done at the expense sometimes of you know speed of speed of um, velocity or momentum where we do something like ah it's not good enough let's go back let's do it again ah still not good enough and so that that that's a price to pay with you know employees sometimes they feel like ah oh, you know this is the third time we tried to do this and we we stopped just before we we, we announced it or just before we released it because it wasn't good enough and so that's that's baked in others will go very differently will say I want to go to market, I want to put it in front of customers, kind of regardless of quality, and it will iterate fast afterwards. And, and that's, you know, which one is best? I don't so know. you're saying that you decided your opinion on push versus perfect very early yeah. in your process. Yeah. And I also just want to call out, if we're talking, like maybe this is the case, I, I, gosh, I, I feel like I'm learning a lot here. Um, if market matters that much to the team, I mean, you heard how articulately he described his market. I want to invest in that. I mean, that's, yeah, AWS, sure, I'm on board, you know? I, I, I mean, I got to do this. Tomer, what's your market? We have, we have so little time, and I want to ask one more question before they kick us off. Tell everyone what your market is. Yeah. Any commerce company that's selling online or offline, it doesn't matter. All right, so everybody. See what, see what he's doing, though? He's, like, being specific and huge. It's a really strong move. You guys are both good at that. All right, look, we only have, like, literally 20 seconds. Can I have a minute more? Oh, yes. Whoa, these are people who are asking us questions? Oh, they're right down here. Should I answer? Should we ask them? Oh, that's fun. All right, we're gonna ask some questions now. I thought my questions were better than their questions, but they're, and they're anonymous. They're not even putting themselves out there. All right. Um, ooh, what was your most impactful first outside hire? That's kind of fun. You guys wanna answer that? Or you guys pick, these are great questions. How can you possibly maintain control when you raise $100 million? I think the answer to that is execute. Is that fair? Yeah, I think Just that, don't that screw up. Yeah. Yeah. No, and don't, don't take yourself too seriously. That's like, fair. Nobody's going to die. And keep Everything the board in the loop. They're your teammates. Keep them excited about it. You're selling them always. That's my job. Most, uh, most impactful first outside hire. Most impact. What do you got? One of our first engineers, I would say. He's still today like... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can answer. Yeah. Support. I hired someone outside from, to do support, and it's changed the business. And it was our sixth hire. It's changed everything. Yeah. Oh, First, yeah. I think it's product, uh, sort of head of product. Sort of early? Product. You hired it early, early? Yeah. Like, uh, Sweet. You know, That's a good one. Fire. I want to ask one more question. What is a cliche that is totally a cliche, but is actually true for you, and why? I was fine, though. You know, I'm sure you got all these adages. You're a leader. I'm sure you yeah, say so stuff all the, all the time. Like the fact that you have, like... Five ups and five downs a day. That's actually true. Yeah, exactly. Five and five, give or take. Yeah, yeah. How, how like do you that. deal with that? You sleep, not you drink. Drink, and I'm not taking my again everyone and myself too seriously. Like I think, like we're not doctors. Like it's important to understand because you get such intense. Yeah. And like you put all like all your stuff into something like that, but it's important to understand that like nobody's gonna die tomorrow morning. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I think for me, as I was I was giving Asher a sort of culture presentation internally, and I told the team, you have to. We I only ask of you two things. One is do your best work. The second one is get enough sleep. Do your best work, get enough sleep. Yeah. Why? Why are those two things? Because that's how I operate, and I don't get enough sleep. I'm young kids it's a oh. bit of a challenge but that's what I wish upon others you know what so I'll, I'll end and this is probably a good one uh, if, you know, if you want to know the problems of the business look at the problems of the CEO has been one that has kind of worked out for me and I do my best to hire around that
because God knows I've got lots of problems, as I'm sure you guys can tell after this only have a half hour of hanging out with us. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate These guys are, are very powerful, important men, so I really appreciate you guys' time. Thanks for sharing thank your you. knowledge. Thank you very much. And they'll be hanging out signing autographs afterwards. So thank you. Great to see you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Really Good answers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show and have picked up valuable lessons from Ben Hyman, Thomas Tagrin, and Alexis Lecoq. The SaaS Revolution Show is now available on Spotify as well, so follow us there for all the latest episodes. Wherever you listen to us, please leave a rating and review. Thanks for listening. See you next time.